Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Jean Dobre. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, Hola. In Italy, Ciao. In Egypt, Athen Wasalan. In Ghana, Aquaba. In Nigeria, Peleo. In South Africa, Saobona. In Senegal, Nangadef. In Kenya, Jambo. In Israel, Shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, Assalamu alaikum. Greetings, and may peace be upon you all. Welcome, welcome, everyone, and um, thank you for joining me on this beautiful July 28th. Can you believe it? We're at the end of July. A very hot summer, especially in Cuba, where I spent three days uh, this past week. But welcome to uh, my tiny, Viada's tiny house village. So I want to bring everybody in on YouTube with my intro Tiny House Village.
so that's just a part of my journey to live in a very small space, minimalist lifestyle. And uh, after my visit to Cuba, I realized how blessed I am to have air conditioning even in my tiny house space of 320 square feet. Now, I'm visiting a friend today, so I'm not in my tiny space. We're we're still in on the beach uh, in Melbourne because there was I didn't really visit a beach in Cuba. So um, after we got back, um, my body started to release a lot of the pollution that we breathed in in Cuba because in Cuba the people are still driving old cars. And those old cars put out a lot of pollution. So uh, the first two days in Cuba, I did a lot of walking and just breathing in all those uh, fumes, I'm sure, is what <clears throat> stimulated my body to say, time to let go of all those, all that pollution. There's a lot of pollution there. But I had great, great fun with the people, the family who invited us to visit uh, Cuba with them. But I'm detoxing, I want to say I'm detoxing the last three days, and it's been uh, <coughs> a real educational experience as usual. You never think of getting a cold in July, but when you have your body uh, for three days breathing in uh, a lot of pollution from cars that you don't get here as much in the United States, this is what happens. And on, and on the first day, uh, not the first day, the second day that we got back here, uh, the headache started and then the body ache started. And so for the last three days, I've been going through like major, major detox here. Um, so I'm just grateful that I had uh, support from my partner and friends. And we had the knowledge together of herbs and what we needed to do to get our body back in balance. So I'm almost there. I'm like 80% after three days of just doing nothing, going to the beach and then just resting, resting, and a lot of coughing and this, and this horrible headache. I had a headache for two days. The headache's gone, just a little bit of coughing left, body aches gone. So I'm about eh, 80 90% better. And just very grateful, grateful for the Estados Unidos. Um, we don't know how blessed we are to be living in the United States, which is why um, the campaign um, by one of the people running for president is to bring us back to loving our country, loving being an American, uh, instead of uh, putting down uh, the United States. It's the government that's the problem, not the people. And we have so much here to be grateful for. And so I want to encourage you to express gratitude every morning along with what? Rolling these joints. So that's what you came here for, right? To roll some joints. So that's what we want to do. Especially me, I want to get improve my um, lymphatic system. I want to improve my circulation. And I want to improve. Um, I want to improve my breathing. All of the things we, that uh, we do when we joint roll and move our our body, it improves all those areas: circulation, lymphatic system, 
and our immune system. Three area, main areas that joint rolling helps is your lymphatic system draining, draining the toxins or the, the fluids that don't, you don't need. Uh, your, your immune system gets built up to uh, balance any viruses that are out of control or out of balance. And then your circulation is improved when we do joint rolling. So I hope you invite your friends to join us every Friday morning to get your body pumping that fluid and that blood and improving your immune system when we come together uh, Friday mornings to improve our health. Taking charge of our health, this is the key. Take charge of your health because uh, what we're going to learn today <clears throat> is that you know who wants to take charge of your health is Big Pharma. They want you to be totally dependent on the drugs and their side effects, and then you're confused and your health uh, deteriorates. So that's why we come every Friday to share my experience, my knowledge, to help you make the choices to take charge of your health. So let us start um, right now. I'm uh, going to be stretching out on this uh, area <coughs> for uh, the joint room. But let's start with just breathing. Just breathing is so important. Uh, breathing in and exhaling. Inhaling and exhaling. Inhaling and exhaling. You're, because your breath is the pump. Your breath is the pump that gets everything going. If you're sitting all day not deep breathing, not breathing, not consciously taking in oxygen and, and exhaling, then the pump's not moving things faster. So by taking in the breath, more oxygen, more oxygen, we're pumping the whole system, getting the pump, the whole system ready to pump that blood, pump, get your lymphatic system going, <coughs> and moving things out. So breathing throughout our joint rolling, just remember, you want to be consciously inhaling and exhaling. So let's start again with the neck, chin to chest, and roll, stretching, stretching the neck around. Oh, stretching the neck muscles, which also is stretching your back muscles, your shoulder. All this, all this connection here in the upper body begins to wake up and whatever needs to be processed in this biological computer. Breathing in, breathing in, stretching, 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 stretching. Roll, take your time, take your time, take your time. Rolling that neck around and go, let's stop, go the other direction. Breathing in, breathing in, breathing in. Breathing in, breathing in, breathing in. And stop. Now, let's put some music on to continue our um, stretching of our arms and our elbows and our wrists. And I'm gonna be showing you two different ways to move the joints. I 
I've all, I've usually been showing you the 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 rotating movement to get your circulation improved, but there's other ways you can move the wrist, the ankles, the legs. So we'll be showing you, demonstrating, and I'll try and uh, share that with the, those of you who are not on Facebook. But there's um, there's always more than one way to skin a cat, as they say. So let's put some music on and start our shoulder rolls while we're sitting up. And then we're going to get on our back and do <coughs> our, ankle, our ankle and our, our knees and our legs. All right, here we go. Time for you.
Synovial fluid in the joints. Let's reverse that and getting our lymphatic system, our lymphatic pump going, circulation, and your immune system. Believe it or not, your immune system is always activated when you're moving. Let's come up and rub our hands together and always give that vagus nerve some love and attention because it's feeding the whole body with nerves and and uh, certain and a pathway a pathway of Wi-Fi system if you will there was very very little Wi-Fi available in Cuba so I was really out of touch which was kind of a good thing I put the computer away actually put the phone away too we didn't get very good phone service either so three days of no phone no wi-fi is a good thing but the payoff was you have all the pollution from cars that um you you have all the pollution from cars and uh <coughs> the body says uh-uh sometimes we're not going to handle all that so let's just take another deep breath. Oh, take all that in. Give thanks. Give thanks. Another deep breath. Give thanks. Give thanks. Deep breath. Give thanks. Give thanks. Deep breath. Give thanks. Give thanks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are here this morning, January no, July twenty eight, say eight, nine, ten, uh eight, 
plus three. It's an 11. Today's an 11, so we're moving in the spirit of the 11. Uh, and let's see, we've got Naima Latif, our executive producer, is in the, the Facebook family. Grand Rising, beautiful. Thanks for, for the great work. I'm glad you enjoyed it because I needed it. Even I needed it. I've been just resting and lazy and not working out like I usually do. So this show me get going as well. So thanks for joining us this morning. And so we're talking about trauma solutions, statins, and chemicals in the food today. And these topics came to me because, um, number one, our Thursday host, Dr. Debbie Green, always gives so much information on her topic. And as she's talking and giving information, I'm always thinking, of uh, more uh, to add to whatever she's saying or doing. So I came across this um, video, YouTube video. My show is always uh, based on researching guests, global guests. I like to bring in people from all over the world uh, to this show to give their expertise, if you will, on the subject of health and well-being. And so I found this uh, video on trauma and clutter, I thought, that's interesting. And I thought, hmm, this is a, a, to me, a perfect, one perfect solution to responding to trauma and clutter. Because many of us will judge clutter, not understanding what it's all about. And so this, I want to start out with just a, a uh, adding on to what Dr. Debbie's show was all about trauma and explaining that and going really deep into that. <clears throat> and this video is kind of a solution to it all. So after the video, I want to uh, get your opinions. Uh, press 1 if you're in the studio, uh, if you have a comment. And then, uh, of course, Facebook, make your comments there. I think this is a very balanced or, or new enlightening approach to the clutter and the trauma, which I hadn't thought about much. And so what this can do is take us out of judgment uh, and bring us into resolution, responding, and compassion. So uh, let me play this clutter as a trauma response. I recently came across this video about clutter as a trauma response. I thought, why not explain clutter in the context of narcissistic abuse? I always say recovery after narcissistic abuse is complex because it leaves you with complex trauma and a set of trauma responses. One such response is clutter. Now, you might be wondering, what does clutter have to do with trauma? That's exactly what we are going to explore today, specifically in the context of narcissistic abuse. Hi, I am Danish, a narcissistic abuse recovery professional. Today's episode is going to be all about understanding how you develop clutter as a trauma response and how to resolve it. If that sounds interesting enough and you're eager to learn more, please make sure to subscribe before we begin because your subscription to the channel always helps spread awareness about narcissistic abuse. The clutter that I'm referring here could be the pile of clothes on your chair, the untouched paperwork on your desk, or even the chaotic jumble of thoughts that seem to have taken over your mind. These are all direct, albeit silent, consequences 
of surviving narcissistic abuse. When we talk about clutter, it's not just about physical mess or disorganization. No, it is a sign of something far deeper, something that echoes the intense struggle you have endured. It is a testament to a silent war fought between the closed doors of your past with the narcissist. This brings us to a crucial cognitive concept, executive functioning. It is a term that might sound technical, but it is really about the everyday tasks our minds perform. Imagine your mind as a busy office, humming with activity where decisions are made, plans are laid out, and tasks are assigned. The ability to do all these efficiently is your executive functioning, a fundamental element of your cognitive process. Executive functioning is what helps you organize, plan, prioritize, and regulate your actions and emotions. But what happens when this office, your mind, is hit by a storm like narcissistic abuse? The once efficient system falters, of course. Filing cabinets are overturned, papers are scattered around, and suddenly the simple tasks like organizing, planning, or making decisions become as daunting as climbing a mountain. This is the effect of chronic stress and trauma on executive functioning. It becomes impaired. Your nervous system shuts down and you collapse internally. Now let's take a closer look at this clutter in this context. Clutter in many ways is a physical manifestation of the internal chaos. As a survivor of narcissistic abuse, you have been in a situation where someone else exerted control over your life and cluttered your emotions. The constant manipulation and gaslighting by the narcissist left you on shaky ground, always trying to navigate a shifting landscape that changed with the narcissist this experience can make you feel like you have lost a part of yourself, like you have given up on your choices and your life in general. Once out of the abusive environment, the struggle to regain control begins. This struggle often reflects in your surroundings as clutter. It might seem like a paradox, but this clutter is something you have control over in a world that has felt uncontrollable for so long. This is very important to understand. It is an adaptive response, an attempt to stabilize life and experience the freedom to just be. Acquiring and holding on to physical items can also provide a comforting distraction, a way to momentarily avoid the painful introspection and healing process that awaits. These items can also symbolically fill the emotional wound left by the abuse, creating a sense of temporary solace. Now, if you have this trauma response, the first step you can take to resolve this is to recognize clutter as a sign of impaired executive functioning due to narcissistic abuse. It's not about labeling yourself as disorganized or messy. It's about understanding that your brain is responding to a traumatic experience in the best way it knows. This is your mind's survival mechanism kicking in. When you are under attack, your brain does everything it can to protect you. If that means shutting down certain areas temporarily, then that is what it will do. The clutter you see around is simply a reflection of this internal process. When we are under attack or there is an ongoing crisis in our life, all the lesser important functions such as digestion, sleep, and sexual desire, in this case, the need to sort things out or shut down. Survival is what becomes the focus. Now the question you may have is, how can I begin to address this clutter? It is a great question and a sign that you're ready to take the next step towards healing. Congratulations. Because healing begins with understanding compassion and 
gentle action. Understand that what you're experiencing is a normal response to an abnormal situation. You survived narcissistic abuse and your mind and body did what they had to do to get you through it. Show compassion towards yourself. Show compassion for yourself. Do not be hard on yourself for the state of your surroundings or your mind. Remember, you're healing from something deeply traumatic. And finally, take gentle action. Start small. It could be as simple as sorting through a pile of papers or organizing a drawer. The point is to reclaim your space and your life bit by bit at your own pace. You do not need to rush this process. Decluttering your emotions by making sense of what happened to you is also an essential part of the process as well. The more you declutter your internal chaos, the easier it will become to declutter your external environment. Clutter following narcissistic abuse is more than just an untidy space. It is a silent outcry of a mind trying to regain control and order in the aftermath of a storm. It is a plea for understanding, for patience and for help. By understanding this, you can approach it not with judgment, but with empathy, patience and a shared resolve for healing. As I wrap up today's discussion, remember that you're not alone in this journey. Reach out to support groups and seek professional help. Your strength got you this far, and I can promise you it will carry you through the rest of your healing journey. Thank you for listening and joining me in today's episode. If you found this helpful, please like, share, and subscribe to help spread awareness and support. Remember, each step, no matter how small, is a step towards healing. I am Danish. And Okay, so that was Danish Bashir, I believe. He's not from, doesn't sound like he's from the United States, which I love, that we get a perspective, a global perspective here on the female solution of the journey we're taking, the circumstances we find ourselves in. And that was a, the first, actually, video that I've watched that connected um, narcissistic abuse to the uh response of cluttering that people in in our lives who have been under the authority or uh, guidance or even parenting and narcissism control 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 even abuse that they tend to have as he said a mind that is has been in protect or survival mode and protective mode for all the years of narcissistic abuse. So what does he say the solution is? Empathy. The solution is empathy. When you have, when you recognize anyone in your life <clears throat> who has uh, an environment that may be cluttered, the solution is empathy, not judgment, but empathy, and not uh, necessarily trying to fix them at all, but to just help help them see why the clutter is there. And most people, if you talk to them, I know <coughs> I have a family member whose room, he stayed in a big house, and his room was always extremely cluttered. Nobody could get him to fix this, to organize or fix this room. But he grew up with an extremely narcissistic mother and an enabler father, so I see clearly now why this person's room was always extremely cluttered. I mean, really bad. So now I have, and that person actually is getting help now with their narcissistic uh, influence 
in their life, how harmful that was. Both their both his parents have now passed on, so he's now seeking help from the narcissistic abuse uh, of that parent. So it's it's really coming together for all of us. The solution to trauma. None of us have had to endure slavery on the plantation. Let's just put that out there. So our traumas are, are maybe uh, geared toward either rape, abuse, sexual abuse, or some other type of abuse, mental, physical abuse, but not slavery for sure. That was probably the extreme trauma uh, event. But when we have people who have been through narcissistic abuse, some of them very extreme, this is what the the uh, author, the the person was saying is the response is clutter. So consider that in your own life and in the life of those around you. No judgment, empathy, knowing that if you talk, and here's the thing, if we have conversations with people in our life who have a clutter situation, then you will, it will be revealed to us the narcissistic abuse usually that they endured uh, as children or young people. Then we can begin to help uh, help ourselves, number one, come out of judgment and help that other person see why their mind has been in defense mode, protection mode, um, to uh, protection mode to, to uh, deal with or respond to that narcissistic abuse. So that solution that we bring to trauma in general, again, is probably more solutions out there, but I thought this one was significant to consider instead of judging to be more empathic and understanding, understanding, I would say understanding the trauma that people have been through with narcissistic abuse. That is his message. Narcissistic abuse can create uh, in, uh, in people the confusion in their mind for it to be protection, putting up boundaries, and also uh, cluttering their space. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we have a hand up in the Vault Talk studio, and we will uh, take your call when we come back from this break. I'm Viata, your holistic life coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com, where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com, and I'm Viato. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve peaceful harmony 
and the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. constantly arguing with your spouse? Are your children misbehaving and acting out? Is someone in your family abusing drugs? Have you been the victim of domestic violence? Are you grieving over the loss of a loved one? Let us help you restore serenity to your life. At Serenity Family Social Services, we understand that good mental health is a result of emotional well-being. Our goal is to assist you and your family in removing emotional distress and restoring harmony and balance to your lives. We offer individual, couples, and family counseling. I'm Howard Williams, CEO of Serenity Family Social Services. Call us today at 312-315-4820. That's 312-315-4820. joining me this morning for health and well-being and we're talking about trauma solutions statins and chemicals in the food if you missed the the last uh, audio i played uh from a guy talking about narcissistic abuse uh leading to um clutter situations that people who have been abused by narcissistic personalities tend to clutter their environment with different items to to protect, to defend, to balance the energy that they had to deal with as children or whatever in that narcissistic relation, abusive relationship, actually. And I'm recovering from uh, a three-day uh, journey to Cuba, and I, what I discovered, what we discovered, there's a lot of uh, pollution from automobiles that are older. And uh, three days uh, of walking around in Havana and uh, experiencing the, the city and the, the different environment, <clears throat> my body, for the last three days, uh, had headache, fever symptoms, and now I'm back, almost back to normal, about 80, 90%, just a little cough. Getting rid of all the toxins, the pollution, I would say, that we breathed in while we were there. But I'm grateful to have seen so much in Cuba that reminds us, uh, reminds me of India Ari's song, The Ghetto. The world is a ghetto because that she, India Ari has a song, Ghetto, and she starts the song out, there are places in Havana, Cuba, and that remind me of Savannah. And I could even say there are places in Havana that remind me of Chicago. When I was in Chicago the last time, I was walking near um, a Marquette Park, and it was so much trash. I was so depressed that, and that's what Havana looked like—the city that they were, the area where we stayed. There was a lot of trash on the on the streets, 
And um, that's what NDRE says, the world is the ghetto. We've got places like that all over the United States. And hopefully uh, we will all be more mindful to clean up our neighborhoods because it's only us. The government's not going to do it. It's us. It's depending that who should go around in your neighborhood picking up the trash. So let me go to the phones. Uh, we've got 706 That's Brother Kwame. Unhorse, how are you? New day. I'm very grateful and grand rising to you, Sister Viata, and I'm glad you had the experience of Cuba. You know, yeah. my daughter went there, and you know, she was saying similar things about the older vehicles and the part of it. And the part is, is that the import as you know, there are restrictions on what is allowed in Cuba and what, what they are able to do. And so they may do with reusing those older vehicles and keeping them running so they'll have transportation. But what I'm right. looking and hearing about clutter, it's it's a part I live here on these two acres of woods. And there there's sections in the woods that, you know, overgrowth and that happens is clutter. Nature has its its balance and imbalance because then there's the open part of the forest where the trees grow separate and the plants grow, you know, with balance. The part that we're looking at in what we're seeing in, in cities and urban areas is like we saw there in Chicago when they built Robert Taylor Stateway Gardens, the Ickes, uh Cabrini Green. They cluttered, they stacked people on top of each other and created clutter environments. These are the ways in which some of this behavior comes about is because they have put people in situations where you're not living in the suburbs where you have a nice green lawn and a big old house and you can put stuff in and you have income to be able to do. People look at clutter sometimes as just survival mode to where they, they have to keep enough in to thinking that I got to have this because I'm not, not, might not get this again or, you know, a part of lacking. And so it's looking at the psychological input that creates the cluttered mind. Collateral, and it's, it's not always, it's looked at as narcissistic with individuals, but what we're looking at too is a narcissistic system. We have a narcissistic government that is by design to keep certain ones cluttered together while others are spread out and have all of the necessities that they need. So we're looking at a system that we have to look, understand how, how do we decolonize the system that has been hurting people and they're hurting constantly more and stacking people more on top of each other. And, and putting people in certain areas that the gentrification says we make it stylish for us to live. And, and what is a person doing with a five-bedroom house with two people? That's narcissistic. When you, you, you have this, this imbalance of, you know, people having luxury or what they consider luxury, and it's only a couple of people and they have all of this space in a, a 30,000 square foot house. And you got people herded into a two bedroom house with, with, with five people in the house. 
you're cluttering human beings and you're you're allowing narcissistic tendencies to say that you can have this 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 luxury and space while we keep you boxed in together and and you know we we have to look at how how is this you talked about slavery in slavery you didn't have nothing to clutter because you didn't gain anything you had to work and provide for that mansion or that plantation that that everybody lived in, but you were in a shack with a dirt floor and didn't have much of nothing to put on your body. Thank you, um, Kwame, for bringing out other aspects of the clutter, because this is truly a multidimensional issue. And as I said, that this one guy who I played, he just brings out the fact <laughs> that I agree with because I witnessed it in my family, that you, when you have a narcissistic mother, for instance, who controls and abuses you verbally, you grow up in your mind protecting your self-image. you protecting because that, that mother didn't nurture you or build you up. So what he was suggesting, the, the audio I play, or what he brings forward that I agree with is that abuse all your life, whether it's verbal or physical abuse, creates, like you said, a psychological protection, a psychological situation where you begin to clutter in your life. You begin to hold on to things. And this society, the main, the, the main problem in America is we are consumer addicts. We buy things that we don't need, then we hold on to them, and we can't let go of them. And what I've learned living in a tiny space is that I can't hold on to things, otherwise I have a hoarding clutter mess. So that taught me to let go of things like books, for instance. I had two or more than 200 books when I lived in a 3,000-square-foot house, but when I went to a 320-square-foot house, I couldn't hold on to books. I had to make decisions and choices. So the idea that um, a person consumes, 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 and yet they don't know how to let go at some point is what the problem is, or the it's challenge learn is. Behavior. Yeah, learn it's behavior. Yeah, learn behavior. Right, it's learned <laughs> behavior. Yeah. This person in my and life our, had a mother consumed and consumed and hell. She was a hoarder of sorts because – she had a life, a childhood that was abusive. Uh, she had a, a mother who abused her. Her father was absent. So I saw the pattern in my own family where the narcissistic in personality creates all kinds of uh, adjustments needed in the children who live under that abuse. And that's what we see today, uh, the clutter he brings forth, is that they lived in an abusive environment. And this is their way of protecting and, and dealing with the psychological damage that occurs. And could I, could I share one last part to that? Because on the reservation, those parents that came from those missionary schools were abused, so abused sexually, physically, and culturally, stripped of who they were and their language and all the things that they, they were, were brought there with. They took it away from them, and when they became adults and went back to the residence, they were so abused that they could not give 
the empathy, the love on that when they created Start Having Children again is because they did not know how to to have that nurturing spirit. They had broken the spirit of those children. You you take a child at a at an age of seven and they told you that we you kill the Indian to, to make the man. And what they were doing was attempting to make them not native but to inundate them to becoming doers and consumers for a European concept, a European culture. So we look at yeah. how did this come about? This is not just something that we all of a sudden put these labels and say narcissist. That is white psychology. They created narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies. That is what they, they created these tendencies. And what we are, we are looking at what happened from what they did to us. We well, gotta look yeah, at the whole picture. Yeah, that that that's true. I agree. That's true. Also, um, we can look at the divine order of all things and realize that all this happened to teach us something. In my mind, and uh, just as um, <clears throat> Naima Latif says, is hoarding, which clutter, which creates clutter, also a symptom of emotional trauma. That's what the teacher in the last half hour is telling us. That any disorder, let's just say a disorder or, or out of balance environment that you find yourself in, is uh, to me is always a symptom or a response to some type of emotional trauma. Because I can look at people who didn't have narcissistic, let's just leave out the word narcissistic, let's just say controlling parents, extremely controlling parents who abused you verbally and physically. Let's just use that. We won't use the word narcissism. And if you had that type of non-nurturing, non-loving upbringing, then, yeah, you're going to have mental disorders of every kind. So we're, we want to help everybody realize what's going on. That if a per- and, and what do you do? Have a conversation with your friends and family who have these uh, environments that you look at and say, whoa, what's that going on? No judgment, but just wondering what's going on, that all this clutter exists in their life. And then Koofy uh, James says, uh, you probably need a peppermint oil bath. That, that sounds so good, Koofy. Thank you. Oh, can't wait to get one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not home. My bath is huge. Um, so when I get back home, I might do that. And then Naima says, trash on the ground and in the street is reflective of a collective mental state of depression. Oh, so true about Havana, Naima, because that's what, as, I, as we walked the streets of Havana, I saw frowns painted on a lot of faces. People would not, you say, hola, buenos dias, that frown did not move. So, yes. I, that was what we observed in Havana, a collective mental state of depression, that the government and the people, uh, people are poor. Dama dinero is something my, uh, my uncle taught me at a young age. It means give me some money. And that was the cry of a lot of people there asking for dinero. And so there's a collective mental state of depression in Havana, at least in the air, urban areas. And yet I saw... Young people walking in the street at night 
and one, one young woman did a cartwheel in the middle of the street, and they were having such a fun time as a group. It must have been about 10 young people just walking around laughing and, and having a great time, uh, but they're not picking up trash, but they are enjoying their life. So, yeah, collective mental state of trash, that's the sign uh, that we can look at as causing, contributing to the clutter. So thank you, uh, Naima, and thank you, Kwame, because this is, a, as I said, multidimensional problem or issue or circumstance that we're looking at today. There's not just, and I said, well, I brought one solution is to be more empathic, empathy, and have conversations with people in your life who have uh, clutter or hoarding uh, environments and just talk to them about their past. And I think they will reveal to you uh, why they're holding on to things like they are. And then we can only have empathy and just have compassion and, and, and converse with them in wisdom and just ask them questions. Do you, hey, do you want to be in this environment? I had we had a hoarder house in my neighborhood back in Orlando for over a year. The the the, the stuff was spilling out into the yard, and when they opened the garage one day, they said, ah, you couldn't even get in the garage. It was so packed. They finally sold that house, and it took probably a year to clean it up. So it's the 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 problem with hoarding and all that is that if that person has but, to leave the earth, somebody has to clean it up eventually. I've been right, in those but situations. could I? It's one part to the thing, and you talked about consumerism. When a person goes and buys something that they see that they want, and that's a memory, that they they hold that memory, and with that being in their space, that memory, because everything holds energy. And what you're doing is you're, you're having people to hold on to energy that was supposed to be something to make them feel good. And right, they found right. out that it didn't do the thing that they wanted it to do. It's like, I got to have these shoes. And then once you get the shoes, yeah, you, you look good for the moment. But then the thing is, it passes. And then you look again and say, I've got to have this to make me feel. It's the consumer mind and being able to say that we think something outside of us is going to make us feel good on inside. And it doesn't. Yes. Absolutely, and that's another aspect of having a conversation with people and asking, <clears throat> what do you value about these things? That what are the things to help people let go? Is look at everything you have in your space. What value are you putting in that, and why? So uh, I want to move on to statins. Doctor Sunil Dehan, as you know, is my one of my favorite conscious doctors, and. He had a recent video, it's within like two days, where he was talking, he did a lecture on statins. But I also found uh, a short uh, audio about what happened seven years ago. There was a study on statins that showed how dangerous it was. I want to play that first. And then fast forward seven years and look at the battle we're still fighting. We're back now with news about the blockbuster cholesterol drugs called statins. Doctors say they work wonders to prevent heart disease. But many patients say the side effects are just too painful. Now, for the first time, doctors say there's proof that those patients are right. And as NBC's Rahema Ellis reports, they're pointing to new alternatives. Some of the most popular drugs in the country are statins. 
taken by about 25 million Americans to lower cholesterol and reduce heart disease. But they can also cause debilitating side effects, muscle pain, weakness, and cramping, reported by 5 to 20% of patients. Diane Sohan was one of them. Everything was sore, and, and, and I, every time I moved, I'd get this more of an achy, a bad achy feeling. For years, some doctors thought these complaints might be psychosomatic, all in their heads. But a new study concludes that the pain is real. This now confirms for the first time that muscle intolerance to statins is a real problem uh, affecting a significant portion of patients and that those patients now, we need to be able to develop alternatives to treat them. The good news is there is potential relief. The drug has been approved. Already, two cholesterol-lowering drugs have been approved by the FDA. One, Ripatha, cuts levels of bad cholesterol by more than half, according to the new study. Diane says the medication changed her life. It does the same thing, but it doesn't have the side effects that the statins have. But the bad news is they're expensive, about $14,000 a year, and only FDA approved for people with hereditary high cholesterol. The question now is whether the FDA will approve them for a wider group of patients to cut their cholesterol and their pain. Rahima Ellis, NBC News. Hey, NBC News fans, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down here. So. You, seven years ago, there was a warning out about statins and the side effects. Well, they're not really side effects. They're the effects of taking drugs, period. But all the pain. And then what do they do? They come out with a more expensive drug that may help you, but you're going to pay. You Most people can't even afford it. The the crimes that pharmaceutical uh, companies are are, uh, are committing are just off the chain. The, the the money that they're making and made over especially over the last three years and yet they're still looking for more profits to I guess um, help their uh, stockholders but now move seven seven years forward okay let me see I got to take a break when we come back we're going to hear from Dr Sunil about the truth this is done this is a, a report or, or or a lecture he gave recently about the truth about statins and cholesterol because it's it's old news that they harm you, not help you. And it's old news that your cholesterol is causing heart disease. That's not the case at all. Uh, I can look at my father's condition. He died of uh, a cardiac arrest. And he didn't, he, his, his issue was relationship, in my opinion, a broken heart from a woman who was in many ways abusive. So uh, we'll be right back after these messages, and then we'll hear from Dr. Sunil the, the truth uh, about statins, that we need some inconvenient truths that we need to understand uh, so that we don't look to that as a solution for uh, the many many health conditions that show up uh, that are not needing a drug. Do you worry about finances, family, health, jobs, relationships? Are you in pain? Do you feel stuck? If you answered yes to any of these questions, help is available. 
Don't worry, you're not alone. It's part of the human process. You only feel this way because you haven't mastered the voices in your head. No hype, just down-to-earth, solid, workable tools and techniques that you can practice daily. It's really food for the soul, whether you want to learn how not to worry about anything, reverse type 2 diabetes, publish a book, promote your product or service, or just make extra money. To take advantage of the deal of the day, go to zeldaspeaks.com or call 312-409-6619. Mention promo code The Female Solution and get free shipping. That's zeldaspeaks.com or 312-409-6619. Stop worrying today. Visit zeldaspeaks.com. Everything you need, what your body needs, is found in nature. So Susan Essentials doesn't do it any other way. Susan Essentials provides your employees and individuals access to over 20,000 nutritional products. And they are shipped direct to your door. Because Susan Essentials is certified in plant-based healing, we're permitted to offer you the best nutritional supplements on the planet. They're non-GMO and sustainably produced. And we take the guesswork out for you. Let Susan Essentials help you take control of your health today. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Join me and my co-host Kareem Hamid every Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the Female Solution Radio Show as we explore that relationship that is the foundation for our society, the relationship between men and women, husbands and wives. Join our discussion as we seek to repair broken family ties and rebuild our community. Listen online at www.blogtalkradio.com slash the-female-solution. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to our hosts. Or you can join us live on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the-female-solution. And we are back. And thank you for joining me this morning. We're talking about trauma, statins, and chemicals in our food. And Dr. Sunil Dahan is going to uh, inform us about the truth about statins. As we said in the last uh, um, audio, that seven years ago they warned us about statins and the side effects. And we still have big pharma pushing statins, which I don't understand. I do understand. It's all about money. It's the greed of big pharma, and um, I think Kwame's number dropped. Yeah, his number dropped, but he sent me a text 
Cholesterol comes from two sources. Your liver makes all the cholesterol you need. The remainder of the cholesterol in your body comes from foods from animals. So two sources, your liver makes the cholesterol, the remainder of the cholesterol in your body comes. So we're going to hear from Dr. Sunil about um, <clears throat> cholesterol, the statin, the truth about statins, which I hope this will persuade you not to look at this as an option when you have heart disease problems and other issues going on in your body because um, what the results have shown uh, from the suffering of many uh, is that this is not the solution, that these the side effects alone are causing problems, more problems, which what happens? More drugs usually. You have senior citizens, usually by the time they're 60s or 70s, they're on 12 different prescription medications if they don't have an advocate in their life to say, no, three is enough or two is enough or no, at least put a limit on it. But that's what happens with senior citizens who live alone and who trust in their doctors. They end up being on four or five different drugs, not realizing that their problems are stemming from the side effects. So here's Dr. Sunil on some inconvenient truths about uh, statins. So for the next part, let's talk about statins. Statin medications. We've all heard of statin medications. If you're not on a statin, you will know somebody who's on a statin medication. They are everywhere. And the reason why so many people are on statins nowadays goes back to the last century, the middle of the last century, which got us to the lipid cholesterol hypothesis of heart disease. Now, I've already talked about a lot of these different factors, but it's worth recapping here on all of them, all of these different things that came together to make everybody think that, yes, we have to aggressively target cholesterol to lower heart disease. So remember, we had Ansel Keys, who in my opinion is one of the most controversial characters in medicine from the last century. We had President Eisenhower, who had his heart attack and a lot of public attention was then focused on heart disease. We had the American Heart Association, which went from a fledgling organization to a million dollar organization because a company called Procter & Gamble sponsored them. And that went on to shape a lot of their policies. And of course, we had the dodgy, shady research from the Sugar Research Foundation and their link with Harvard scientists and the publication in the New England Journal of Medicine. It's terrible when you think about it. These are supposed to be trusted institutions. Harvard University, the New England Journal of Medicine. But when you dive into the history, there are a lot of questions to be asked. But anyway, all of these factors came together to make people think that the culprit for heart disease was dietary fat. It was not sugar. It was not excessive carbohydrates. It was not processed food. Obviously, processed food consumption has gone up a lot over the last few decades since the 1950s and 60s. But we are where we are. And the interesting thing is this. I can guarantee you that over 90%, maybe over 95% of physicians out there have no idea about the things that I just talked about. Ansel Keys 
the American Heart Association history, the Sugar Research Foundation, President Eisenhower. And this is an invitation, actually, if this video ends up being posted, any academic institution out there that wants me to come and speak to your future doctors, students, or whoever, I'm happy to do so about all of these factors. I will educate you on the real history. I'm not holding my breath. I don't think they will. But anyway, it's an open invitation if you want me to talk about that. So let's talk about what happened. When it was decided that, yes, cholesterol was causing heart disease, there was a rush to produce some drugs to lower cholesterol. So the first drug that came out was called Triparanol in the 1960s. And it was an unmitigated disaster. Had a ton of side effects caused conditions including accelerated irreversible cataracts, and it was withdrawn from the market. I don't think many people know that in the medical field either. The first statin to be released was Lovastatin in 1987. Now we're at a situation where over 200 million people in the world are on statins. Tens of millions of people in the United States, United Kingdom, and atorvastatin, Lipitor, is one of the highest-selling drugs of all time. Let's talk a little bit about the statin industry. Let's start with Lipitor, because it was introduced by Pfizer back in 1997, and it's one of the top three selling medications of all time. And I'll quote you something here. Until 2021, the cholesterol-lowering drug industry aggregated lifetime sales of over $163 billion. We're talking about more than the entire GDP of whole countries. This is staggering. And it's growing significantly by billions of dollars every single year. The annual global market for statins was $15 billion, $15 billion in 2021, and it's projected to reach well over $20 billion by the 2030s. Remember, a lot of these drugs are no longer under patent, they have become generic, so the cost has decreased. But again, one of the most lucrative selling drug classes, maybe even the most lucrative selling drug class in history. The medical establishments all over the world, not just in the United States, but all over the world, are obsessed with statins. There have been some medical leaders, believe it or not, who suggest that statins should be added to drinking water. I kid you not. But of course, like any medication, therapeutic, they come with side effects. And I want to talk about some of the frequent side effects here. The most well-known, muscle aches, muscle breakdown. A lot of people suffer with muscular problems after taking statins. We'll go over some statistics in a moment. Fatigue, dizziness, gastrointestinal complaints, elevation in liver function tests. There have even been reports about statins causing mood disorders, psychiatric issues. And I want to quote you something here from the British Medical Journal that was published. Statin use and risk of developing diabetes results from the Diabetes Prevention Program. Their conclusion was that in the population studied at high risk for diabetes, we observed significantly higher rates of diabetes with statin therapy in all three treatment groups. Confounding by indication for statin use does not appear to explain this relationship. The effect of statins to increase diabetes risk appears to extend to populations at high risk for diabetes. That's quite concerning. And how about some more recent information on side effects? Well, let me quote you something here from UpToDate, 
which is the go-to resource for clinicians in the United States for latest evidence-based medicine. Take a listen to this. They said here that in clinical practice, side effects with statins are common, which could be related in part to a heightened awareness of adverse reactions traditionally attributed to the drug and treatment in patients with comorbidities that were often excluded from clinical trials. That seems like an interesting thing to say. So what am I saying and what am I not saying? What I'm saying is that we have a very obvious blockbuster drug that is dished out like candy nowadays. And we should be thinking about the true benefits in more detail. We should be more scientific and looking at real data. And I'm going to share some evidence with you in a moment. I am not saying that everybody who's on a statin medication should stop it. Indeed, it goes without saying, always speak to your own doctor before making any changes. But that doctor should be able to discuss the real benefits with you. But never stop any medication yourself until you've had that discussion. The reality is that we're in a situation where we're almost mindlessly prescribing statins. Like many other drugs, actually, doctors are following protocol. Doctors in our current system have become protocol followers. I have seen situations where an elderly person, very elderly in their 90s, might have a stroke or a heart attack, and the overall philosophy of care is to keep the patient as comfortable as possible. We don't want to be too aggressive. We can certainly give them some medications, but nothing which is too aggressive. But I have seen patients like this in their 90s with heart attacks and strokes get put on high-dose statins. What is the evidence behind that, and why are doctors mindlessly ticking boxes? We have to think about this in more detail. Because yes, Statins will work to reduce your LDL, quote, bad cholesterol. They will do that. That's what they're designed to do. But the question is, what are the true clinical benefits of that? I could come along to your house with a bucket of red paint, and I use the red paint, and yes, your house will be covered in red paint. It will look red. But what have I achieved by doing that? What was I trying to do in the first place? That is the question that real people of medicine and science should be asking before falling into the trap of mindlessly following protocols. It's a logic fail if you don't ask the right question. And all the while, these corporations are making billions and billions of dollars. Think about what's happening here. I'd like to touch upon a few other points. Firstly, there's a very big difference between primary and secondary prevention. What do I mean by this? Primary prevention is when you give a medication with the intention of stopping someone from having something happen to them, like a heart attack or a stroke. Secondary prevention is when you give someone a medication after they've already had something happen to them to lower their risk further. So they may have a heart attack or a stroke, and then you give them a medication. Most people who are on statins, the vast majority, have not had anything happen to them yet. And of course, we have to talk about, I've talked about this before, absolute risk reduction and relative risk reduction. Two crucial concepts. Let me share something with you here that was published online that really gives us more of a perspective of what we're talking about when we're analyzing the true benefits of statins. So here we go. Statins, which have become synonymous with heart attack and stroke preventing, have an NNT, that means number needed to treat, of 60 for heart attack and 268 for stroke. 
That's how many healthy people have to take statins for five years for those respective outcomes to be prevented. So you got that? 60 people have to take it for five years to prevent a heart attack. That means it wouldn't work for 59 people. And 268 for stroke. That means for 267 people it wouldn't work, but for one person it would. In people with heart disease already, that's secondary prevention, remember, the number is smaller. Just 39 must take statins for five years for one non-fatal heart attack to be prevented, while 83 have to do so for one life to be saved. There's still many people who would think that those odds are not particularly good either, but they are better than for primary prevention. And how about the actual number in terms of mortality benefits? There have been some studies which show that if people take statins religiously... So I'm going to uh, stop that audio here because he goes on for at least another 10 minutes. If you're interested in completing um, hearing that, you can go to YouTube and look for Dr. Sunil Dahan, it's titled Statins, Some Inconvenient Truths. The one, the thing that really blew my mind is the billions, billions, billions of dollars that these companies are making on this medication. Oh, my goodness. And, and what it says to us is that we are not disciplined enough to change our lifestyle because that's what, <clears throat> that's what can help most people avoid drugs is changing your lifestyle, exercising more changing your your um, your diet, uh, healing relationships, getting toxic people out of your life, moving uh, in from an environment that's toxic. There's so many things that we can do in terms of externally and then internally, meditation, uh, uh, spending more time in at, uh, in in, um, in nature. Uh, billions of dollars uh, given our, the pharmaceutical industry is making. So Dr. Sunil also uh, has a, a teaching that I want to share with you on uh, top non these um, nanoparticles in our food, dangerous nanoparticles in our food. Because one of the one of the things that can help us avoid uh, doctors' offices is reading the ingredients on the products you buy. And so many people don't want to do that, uh, I find, in my own life, because they can't eat their comfort food. If they read the ingredients in their conscience, then they will know that they cannot put these chemicals in their body if they don't want to experience side effects from the chemicals. That's what's happening Um with um, these chemicals in the food is that the body reacts, the body reacts, and then we have symptoms, and if we keep eating the same foods like Skittles, which is one of the foods he mentioned uh, that has this chem- one chemical, particular nanoparticles chemical that is probably in so many foods that if you don't read the label, you're not aware of it. So let me play uh, his his information on the nanoparticles 
Hi everyone, Dr. Sunil Dand, internal medicine physician. Welcome to another video. Continuing my series on all of the toxic chemicals in our food, chemicals that are actually banned in other countries, I want to focus on the next chemical in this video. Remember, sadly, in the United States, food policy is shaped by industry. It's all about the bottom line. It's about making products addictive. It's about making products last longer. So this video is going to focus on titanium dioxide, E171. This is what's known as a nanoparticle, a very small particle. And it's added to various different foods in the United States, including many sweets, M&Ms, Skittles, other sweet products, baked goods, it's found in sauces, it's found in spreads, it's found in icings, it's even found in coffee creamers. And it is a particle, it is a substance that has no nutritional value, it is simply there added as a white pigment. And it's very interesting because this pigment is also added to plastics and paints. That doesn't sound very appetizing, does it? Interestingly, some areas of the United States, including California, are trying to take action against titanium dioxide. That's all in the works, but the FDA still considers it safe, and it set a limit of adding titanium dioxide to up to 1% of the food weight. That seems like a lot, doesn't it? 1% of the food weight for this particular chemical, titanium dioxide. But other parts of the world think very differently, including Europe. Take a look at this. Titanium dioxide E171 no longer considered safe when used as a food additive. In Europe, it's actually considered genotoxic. Genotoxic. That means that it's considered damaging to genes and DNA. Think about that for a moment. But in the United States, there is no such warning. Let me share this research with you. One study from 2021, impact of food additive titanium dioxide on gut microbiota composition. We don't talk about the gut microbiome anywhere nearly enough, but they are the trillions, yes, trillions of organisms residing in everybody's gut that have to be kept in harmony. And many food additives completely destroy the natural gut microbiome, leading to disease. So this study was a systemic literature search, and they looked at animal studies, and their conclusion was, although the extrapolation of these results from animals to humans remains difficult, this review highlights the key role of gut microbiota in gut nanotoxicology and stimulates discussions on the safe titanium dioxide use in food and dietary supplements. Then there's another study here from 2020, Effects of Titanium Dioxide Nanoparticles Exposure on Human Health, a review. Recently, an increased interest in nanotechnology applications can be observed in various fields. And look what they said here, scientific databases inform that titanium dioxide nanoparticles can induce inflammation due to oxidative stress. They can also have a genotoxic effect, leading to, among others, apoptosis or chromosomal instability. Oxidative stress is exactly what you don't want these cells in your body exposed to. You don't want them under oxidative stress. That is what is implicated in many different illnesses, chronic inflammation, chronic disease, also aging. Here's another piece of research here from 2021. Toxicity of orally administered food-grade titanium dioxide nanoparticles. This year, France banned the application of titanium dioxide nanoparticles as a food additive based on the insufficient oral toxicity data. They talk here at the bottom about the no-observed adverse effect level of E171 for 90 days, 
with repeat oral administration. And then they do say additionally further study is needed to clarify the possible carcinogenesis cancer causing following the chronic accumulation in the colon. And I recently went shopping. I'm in the northeast of the United States. Let me share some ingredient labels with you here. So I'm going to share with you a couple of real world examples. I picked up this here. Trolley Sour Bright Crawlers. I don't think I would ever be brave enough to touch anything like that. But nevertheless, it is on sale in grocery stores in the United States. And here we go. Look at the ingredient label. Titanium dioxide added here amongst all of these other ingredients. Many other bad ones here. But let's focus on titanium dioxide. And let's look at something here more well-known. Skittles. We've all heard of Skittles. Take a look at this here, the ingredient label. There you go, titanium dioxide. So there we go then, another food ingredient, an additive which the United States deems safe. The authorities here believe that it is safe, but many other nations do not believe it's safe. And remember this as well, many of these food products that contain these worrisome chemicals are deliberately marketed to children. That's the worst thing of all. How can you keep you and your family safe? Well, my best piece of advice is, Diligently read those food labels. They're right in front of you. Get into the habit of reading them. Do not put any food substances into yourself without knowing exactly what they contain. That's the best piece of advice I can give you because so many of these artificial fake chemicals that we are consuming now are driving chronic disease, chronic inflammation, and obesity. So do your best to be as natural as possible. Avoid these toxic chemicals. So once more, the subject of this video, titanium dioxide. Be on the lookout for it. It's not allowed in other countries, but we have it here in the United States. Thanks everyone for listening. Let me know your thoughts down below. Check out my online real... Now, let me tell you from my own personal experience, people don't want to read the ingredients because they're comfort food would have to be stopped if they consciously looked at the ingredients on products that they're used to having comfort from, like Skittles. I have people in my family who love Skittles and Twizzlers. I have to check the ingredients in Twizzlers. Here's what I believe is happening from uh, my own personal experience and my um, 35 plus years of being in this holistic health field. Your microbiome gut <clears throat> is full of trillions, trillions of bacteria, viruses, and fungus. When you are constantly feeding your body junk food or uh, non-fermented foods, which is what grow, keeps your microbiome in diverse, healthy uh, condition, when you're consistently eating Skittles, and drinking alcohol and eating a bunch of junk food, your microbiome changes and you your microbiome becomes full of uh, bacteria or fungus like candida. Okay, candida, which I years ago I had systemic candida infection. I was on the junk food diet uh, back in the 70s. No, was it 70s? Yeah, 70s. But when um, uh, before I had my children, or after I had my children, just a lot of wine and all, systemic candida. So guess what? Your gut is full of candida more than it is the microbes that help keep your body in balance and healthy. So 
So when candida is in man is is multiple or or in mass amounts in your gut, your body is craving things like skittle and uh, sugar and all the other uh, chemicals. I'm not even going to call them food. All the other chemicals that are craving candida. Candida craves sugar. That's the one thing that feeds candida. And why does candida crave? Because candida actually is not a bad uh, microbe. Candida actually keeps your mercury in balance. I remember when I had mercury removed from my teeth, uh, from amalgam fillings that had mercury, the candida uh, flared up a little because that candida is what helps eat up the mercury I found out. I was doing all kind of research. So candida actually eats the mercury in your body. So guess what? If you have a lot of mercury in your body, your candida is going to grow more than, say, your acidophilus and, and all the other streptococcus, all the other microbes that keep your body in balance. So titanium dioxide, it doesn't even sound like something I would want to put in my body. But why are U.S. companies, food companies, using a chemical like that to include in the ingredients, you have to wonder about the food industry in the United States. That's the one thing in Cuba that you don't see. You don't see a lot of junk food in Cuba. They don't have a McDonald's. They don't have a Burger King. They don't have a lot of the fast food. They don't have any of the fast food companies in Havana. So their diet is a lot simpler. Some people may, they might say they're starving, but beans and rice, ah, you'll survive. My dad survived on beans and rice in Jim Crow, New Orleans for nine years of his life, eating beans and rice occasionally and nothing in between. He lived to be 95 years old, healthy man. So put it in perspective, my brothers and sisters. You're eating a lot of this junk food with titanium dioxide. Your life is going to be cut short. And here's, and that means, as Dr. Sunil brings into um, the excess death that we're seeing right now, why are we seeing what Dr. Sunil calls excess death in the United States and the U.K.? Here's, let's hear from him, and then we'll go to a break afterwards. Because people's bodies are too weak to withstand a virus that comes along and the fear that goes along with it. But here's another report from Dr. Sunil about- Hello everyone, Dr. Sunil Dand, internal medicine physician. Welcome to another video. I've made a number of videos over the last several months actually regarding the concerning increases in excess deaths that we're seeing across the Western world. And I've said many times that the mainstream medical establishment is not taking this seriously at all. Neither is the mainstream media. Well, that may have changed in the last few days because guess what? There have been a series of articles published in mainstream media publications regarding a paper that was released that claims to know why we may have been seeing rises in excess deaths in the United States. Let me share this with you. So here we have an article published in NPR Republicans' excess death rate spiked after the jabs arrived, a study says. Well, that is a super interesting title right there. 
Republicans' death rate spiked after the jabs arrived. What could they be talking about? Let's dive in. The pandemic inflicted higher rates of excess deaths on both Republicans and Democrats. Well, of course it did. The virus is indiscriminate. But after the jabs arrived, Republican voters in Florida and Ohio died at a higher rate than their counterparts, according to a new study. Researchers from Yale University who studied the pandemic's effects on those two states say that from the pandemic start in March 2020 through December 2021, excess mortality was significantly higher for Republican voters than Democratic voters after the shots were available to all adults, but not before. Well, that is quite a statement. And as always, whenever you see an article like this or result like this in the mainstream media, always go to the actual source of the information, not the headline itself. So let's do that here. So it does say actually in the article, which it usually will in most mainstream media publications, so that makes it easy to actually go to the source of the information. The different rates were concentrated in counties with lower jab rates and primarily noted in voters residing in Ohio. And the study was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association Internal Medicine. So let's go to it here. You can see excess death rates for Republican and Democratic registered voters in Florida and Ohio. And here is the abstract here. They studied over 500,000 individuals. And we'll go to the main results. Between January the 1st, 2018 and December 31st, 2021, there were over 500,000 individuals, actually almost 550,000 individuals in Ohio and Florida who died at age 25 years or older in the study sample. The median age at death was 78 years old. Overall, the excess death rate for Republican voters was 2.8 percentage points or 15% higher than the excess death rate for Democratic voters. And then they say in the adjusted analysis, the excess death rate among Republican voters was 43% higher than the excess death rate among Democratic voters. They may have used a relative measure there. Remember, I talk about the difference between relative risk reduction and absolute risk reduction, uh, but this isn't the same thing, but they probably did a similar calculation there to arrive at the 43%. The gap in excess death rates between Republican and Democratic voters was larger in counties with lower jab rates and was primarily noted in voters residing in Ohio. And the conclusion here is that in this cross-sectional study, an association was observed between political party affiliation and excess deaths in Ohio and Florida after the jabs were available to all adults. These findings suggest that differences in attitudes and reported uptake between Republican and Democratic voters may have been factors in the severity and trajectory of the pandemic in the United States. So let's go back to the NPR article. And this is interesting here. The researchers' data also did not specify a cause of death, and it accounts for some 83.5% of U.S. deaths rather than the entire number. And look at this part here, which needs some serious explaining. And because data about the jab status for each of the over 500,000 people who died in the two states wasn't available, researchers could only go as granular as the county level in assessing excess deaths and jab rates. That is also interesting. Now remember that this piece of research was only up until the end of 2021. So they're going back to that when we've seen huge increases in excess deaths since then, which needs some explaining. So why they are even going back to this in the first place, one cannot say when we've got more serious 
imminent questions to answer. And this seems like a very political article from NPR. That's not unexpected. What do they say about politics then? Well, they conclude with this statement, which is a quote, future policy decisions should be guided by public health considerations rather than by political ideology, say the authors of the study. This story was reported across the mainstream media. Take a look at all of these headlines here, pinning the blame for excess deaths on politics. What a ludicrous, disgusting situation this is. Clearly, the article itself is politically motivated. Firstly, it's a very weak paper. That's my first thought. This isn't a strong paper at all, and it shows an association, missing out all of the confounding variables. But why did the authors choose Florida and Ohio, which just happen to be two crucial political states? They claim that they are not political when clearly this is a politically driven article and it's completely missing all of the elephants in the room for why we're seeing these tragic increases in excess deaths across the Western world. Are there Republicans and Democrats in Europe as well where we're seeing the same phenomenon? Why would you even go down this road instead of discussing the real reasons for excess deaths, many of which I've touched upon in previous videos? Confounding variables is not even a strong enough term to describe what could be contributing to excess deaths here. Some of them have already been talked about before widely, the effects of lockdowns, especially on different socioeconomic classes. Baseline, socioeconomic state, baseline health, chronic disease, obesity rates. The article was clearly focusing on jabs and saying that people who didn't take jabs were suffering increases in excess deaths. But that is a very questionable conclusion to draw when there are so many other factors involved, real questions which haven't been answered as to why we're seeing these increases in excess deaths after the acute phase of the pandemic. It makes no sense whatsoever. But what do you expect, really, from a medical establishment and a mainstream media that is funded by the medical industrial complex. This is exactly what happens. So in a way, it's not surprising at all, but it's horrendous that they would go down this road of linking politics so blatantly to an absolute tragedy that is happening in real time, namely excess deaths. That's all I've got to say about that. Thanks everyone for listening. Let me know your thoughts down below. Hit the like button if you like this video and the Oh my goodness, I have to laugh at his sarcasm and the, the ridiculousness of what we see in the mainstream media. That was a great example of why you don't want to pay attention to the mainstream media headlines and TV, CNN and all that, because not only is it politically motivated, they're not telling us the truth. So stick with YouTube, find the people that you vet and you trust and believe in, and stay away from <clears throat> reports like that that are not really explaining why people are dying and having heart attacks. We just heard this week that LeBron, uh, the LeBron James' son, 18-year-old, 20-year-old, uh, I can't remember how old, he's a young person, under 20, 18 or 20, had a heart attack. Rare thing to happen. Now, do you think anybody will mention the jab? They don't want, there, there are people mentioning the jab. In fact, Elon Musk was one of the uh, influential or popular people who referenced the jab to what happened to uh, um, his, this 18-year-old. 
so we're not going to hear the truth from mainstream media. I think I forgot uh, my commercial. So let me take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back with some final thoughts from you. And uh, I have another video, but we might need to do some uh, meditation or prayer because there's so much going on right now, and we want all of you to be in peace and focus on your soul purpose and be in in joy and love. That's the key to um, keeping your health, joy and love. Hi, I'm Mama Joy. And I'm Reverend Rosemary. Join us every second Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. Here on the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show for Neighborship of Joy. We'll have powerful conversations inviting women to walk in the light. So call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak to the host. You can also join us live on the Female Solution Facebook page and YouTube channel. So see you on the second Saturday on the Neighborship of Joy. Hey, it's time to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom. On Facebook, uh, we have, uh, let's see, Naima Latif, our executive producer, says, when you feel good about yourself, you don't allow your living space to be dirty, waiting for someone else to clean it. Even if someone came and cleaned up, the collective state of low self-esteem would recreate the dirt and clutter. So that is exactly um, what EFT. Uh, targets in uh, clients and, and patients and is helping people love themselves, building their self-esteem, because that is truly at the root of most challenges that people are facing. And our uh, Monday morning mindfulness host, Zelda HLN-TV, says millions to billions is a sign corporate greed in public ignorance. And publicly, wake up, America. Nature nurtures. Immerse yourself daily. Yes, do what Zelda does. Go out there and spend time with trees and nature. And, uh, and Zelda also says she just started taking juice and supplements specifically for gut 
blame and biome. Let's see, biome, biome, and definitely feeling a difference. Yes, if we focus on uh, the microbiome, feeding your army of trillions, trillions, not billions, trillions of microbes that need to be in balance for you to have health, then you will have good, better health. But once you get out of balance, um, that's the key to uh, bringing yourself back now is getting that microbiome healthy again. And then uh, Zelda speaks as surprise, there are no MACDs in Cuba. MACDs are everywhere. (laughs) Probably had something to do with regulations. Good for them. Absolutely. That's what I felt. there are so there in the three days I was there, there are a lot of skinny people walking around. Let me put it that way. No obesity issues to speak of. I mean, occasionally I saw a few people who looked a little overweight, but most of the the women I saw were just so skinny and walking everywhere. Uh, they don't have buses there. They just have taxis. Everybody's car is a taxi, believe me yellow taxis, but then you got regular cars that serve as taxis, too. We took uh, four taxis. We had a party of, like, ten people, I think, and our host, uh, David, who's a Cuban uh, resident, uh, Cuban native, arranged all the taxis for us, and they were all unmarked regular cars, and we all jumped in, each one, and made it to the same location had lunch, and then we the, night, the next night we had taxis pick us up and take us to a place called The Factory, which is a huge building with art and music and food and drinks and dance. So, yeah, no McDonald's, no fast food, uh, Wendy's, no, 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 none of that. So people are skinnier, no, very little obesity. The uh, problem, as Naima brought out, is there is obvious a collective depression in that that island that um, can only be helped, I think, with our prayers, for one. I am just committed after being there to be prayerful uh, about the people raising up in Cuba and finding joy in that environment that in many ways is a lot healthier than ours uh, in America because they don't have all these choices. Their choices are limited. There's something to say about limited choices in the place that you live. You go in a grocery store in America, confusion galore. You think you need a loaf of bread. You think you need all the, on every aisle, you got to have something from every aisle. When really all we should be, if we want to take charge of our health, maintain our health, is go to the produce section. Stay in the produce section. That's where your life is and your health is in the produce section. And here's just, um, if we don't have any other comments from our blog talk family, let's see, I have... I see Kwame's hand is up. Kwame, did you have another comment? Yes, and the part when you were talking about titanium and the nanoparticles, you know, we walk around with our phones. Did you know that all the casings for the phone is made from titanium? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, exactly. And then to put it in, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. And the other not- and the other part is is that if they're putting that particle in you in nanoparticles, that means is that your frequency is now altered to be a casing like a tra- that casing on your phone is like your antenna. And so it's all by design. The minerals that they use to create these phones, now they're creating the nanoparticles to put in the body in order to create the transmission. But we have to be mindful that what we should eat, if the food does not, and you did an excellent point saying go to the produce section, is because you should not be putting food in you that is not in its own packaging. You should not be putting food in you that it's not in its own packaging. All the produce is in its own packaging. It grows and it's already packaged. The part that we have to be mindful of is what is GMO and what is organic, which what is natural, because they're even altering the produce by making it seedless. So it's it's a challenge now in being able to consume what is right because even with cholesterol the cholesterol is what helps forms the baby's brain when it comes into the world the liver produces the cholesterol in our human body so the thing that we have to be mindful of is the the foods in which they create it in order to elevate the cholesterol to help the pharmaceutical companies to stay more wealthier Yeah, and the more I think about it, this is intentional. All these chemicals and yellow dye number five, six, seven, eight is intentional. They're trying to destroy the health of Americans so they can reduce the population. And then when they bring on their next pandemic, guess what? Your body can't handle it. So here's another clip, a short clip about how how to prevent dementia. Hi, everyone. Dr. Sunil Dand. Welcome to another video. Three things that anybody over the age of 65 should focus on. Now, of course, everybody is different. I meet some 65-year-olds who are in the body of a 45-year-old. But we will take this cutoff for the sake of this video. Because I think for many people over the age of 65, things start to fall off the wagon. And there are a lot of people out there who think that as one ages, it's an inevitable path downwards. It doesn't have to be that way necessarily. Now, I actually think that there are segments of the establishment that want people not around above the age of 65 because it means fewer pension costs, fewer healthcare costs. So please don't become a statistic. I've talked a lot before about diet and exercise, and I think these rules apply at any age. And I will continue to talk about these things. But here are three things in particular that tend to fall off the wagon after the age of 65 that you should focus on if you are over the age of 65 or you have a loved one who is over the age of 65. Please pass this on to them. Number one, strength training. Now, I'm not suggesting becoming a bodybuilder, but it is very important. The reality is after the age of 65, one is not going to have the body of a 25-year-old. And you can counteract some of the natural age-related muscle declines by keeping up some strength training. So whether you do body exercises, whether you use exercise bands or even light weights, it is very important. A lot of this is also linked to gait training and keeping up your balance and also linked to ensuring adequate protein intake, which is really important as one ages. I've talked about that before. 
But if you are over the age of 65, don't forget to keep up some degree of strength training appropriate for your level of ability and function. Number two, learn a new skill. A lot of people over the age of 65 think that they are too old to learn. What utter rubbish. The brain is a very plastic organ. We have a concept known as neuroplasticity. You can be making new neural connections at any age. And the more you do that, you will counteract the functional decline of the brain as it ages. So whatever it is you want to learn that is new, whether it's a new language, whether it's a new skill, a technical skill, or even some sort of mind game. There are lots of board games out there which require you to learn new rules. Whatever it is, don't think that as you age, you can't learn new things. The more you do this, the better and healthier your brain will be. Number three, stay social. Now, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea to have a massive social circle and be interacting all the time, be like a social butterfly, but we as human beings are built to be social animals. And something that I see a lot in my line of work is as one ages, they become more and more isolated. And that can be devastating. And there are studies which prove this. The more socially isolated, the more of a health toll it will take. So whatever you can do to keep up your social connections with people you, of course, enjoy being with, that is very important. So those are three quick tips then that I would advise for anybody over the age of 65. Keep up with strength training, learn new things, and stay social. One of the pleasures of my job, one of the honors, is getting to talk to a lot of older people over the age of 65. Frequently, I have patients over the age of 90, but anyone over the age of 65, I think previous generations were much stronger and more resilient than our current generations. And I think you should be around healthy for as long as possible so you can keep imparting your wisdom and knowledge onto the younger generations. You don't have to have a rapid decline as you age. So keep up with those tips. Stay healthy, stay well. Thank you everyone for listening. Dr. S Great advice. Remember, I and I brought out my weights to remind myself to get busy because I over the last three days I have not been doing my uh, weight and strength training, but it does make a difference as far as muscle strength. And let's see, we had Zelda had a comment about uh, she participated in a study for seniors with memory loss and drugs were discussed with all kinds of effects more dangerous than the disease. Amen. Uh, that's why I do this show every Friday uh, morning to remind us of the choices we have to uh, have a healthy life. And it should not include multiple prescription drugs, which is what happens to seniors often is that their doctors recommend all kinds of drugs to solve their problems. You're better off not going to doctors, doing your, go to YouTube to search for your answers and then practice, see if it works. The most important uh, practices you can put into place are diet, exercise, lifestyle changes. So that's where we start here. So thank you all for participating and coming in and listening and share, share this video uh, with friends, family who might need a little help. 
uh, on statins, trauma, narcissism, or clutter, and chemicals in the food, how we need to read the ingredients. I know how comforting those chips and Skittles may be, but you're adding on to a, an imbalance in your microbiome, which will affect any new pandemic scares that come along. Your body won't be able to handle it. So let's build up our bodies with some natural fruits and vegetables, lots of good drinks, water, smoothies, and we'll be fine. Tune in tomorrow uh, for more wisdom and knowledge on the female solution at 12. Uh, thank you all. We're going to say goodbye now to our global family. Thank you all. We've come to the end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash female dash solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash the female solution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows. Listen to our radio shows. Order our books and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato. ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがとう。ありがと